Welcome to the Pendelco Podcast, the podcast that covers the programs and people that make Pendelco proud. Now here's your host, Dr. George Steinhoff, Superintendent of the Pendelco School District. Our guest today is Dr. Danielle Mary and Ms. Michelle Crayley. Danielle is a reading specialist by trade, also supervisor of our elementary curriculum. And Ms. Michelle Crayley is a reading specialist at Parkside. I'll let them share a little bit about each of them. Danielle, how long have you been with Pendelco? Well, thank you, Dr. Seinhoff. Um, I've actually been with Pendelco pretty much my whole life. Um, as a proud Pennell Penguin and a Sun Valley graduate, I have been teaching in the Pendelco School District for 23 years. Mrs. Crowley and I were actually hired the same exact year. I've been a third grade teacher. I've been a reading specialist for the district, and I'm now currently the supervisor of elementary curriculum and instruction. Great. Nice synopsis. And Michelle, our other guest uh, for today. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. As Dr. Murray mentioned, we were both hired in Pendelco in the fall of 2000. Um, I taught various grade levels when I was first hired, meeting the needs of an extremely large class that was moving through the Pendelco schools. Um, I had just finished my master's degree and my reading specialist certification when I was asked to fill in for a reading specialist who was on leave for the year. Um, and I really enjoyed supporting the students that year and seeing the growth that they would make as readers. So I was thrilled the following year when I was asked to continue in a similar position in various buildings. Um, and so I finally landed at Parkside full-time in the fall of 2012 as the building reading specialist. So outside of here, I love to read and volunteer with activities for my boys. Well, you guys both are uh, fantastic employees and and great at what you do, and I knew you'd be perfect for this topic. Uh, We're hoping in this podcast that we can share some tips and some ideas and some strategies with parents who are concerned that their kids aren't reading well, don't like to read, or are struggling to read and and are below grade level. And I, I recognize that this is a hot topic for parents, particularly the ones that just worry that their kids are going to fall behind because they don't have those critical literacy skills. I thought both of you would be great to interview to hear your thoughts on it. So, Danielle, let's start with you. I mean, the purpose of the podcast is to share some ideas for parents who want to help their kids become better readers. But it's probably better for me to take a step back and first discuss how would a parent even know if their child's behind grade level or is a struggling reader in the first place? Absolutely. So right now across the United States, um, we are well aware that children are struggling to learn how to read. Um, The National Assessment for Educational Progress, otherwise known as NAEP, um, currently shows that 65% of children across the country are struggling with reading, and 50% of those students are struggling with reading state assessments. So it's particularly important to know if a child is at risk for learning to read early on. So here at Pendelco, we screen all of our students three times a year, starting at the beginning of the school year, um, certainly starting with our kindergarten students. So our screeners really focus on the skills and abilities that predict later reading and writing outcomes. Therefore, we screen early for um, a child's knowledge of the alphabet, for phonological awareness, for rapidly naming letters and digits, rapidly naming objects and colors, whether they can write their name, um, and their phonological short-term memory. And we communicate this information to parents 
in the form of letting them know if additional interventions will need to be given to their child. And we also communicate this at parent-teacher conferences. But my advice for any parent who is unsure about where their child's progress is in terms of reading, I would say reach out to your classroom teachers. Give them a few weeks at the beginning of the school year um, to get in and get to know your child. And then either reach out by phone or by email and acquire you know, where, where your child is in the readiness skills. Um, is he or she ready to be successful in learning how to read and write? And then just ask like what you can do at home to help support your child's progress. You mentioned what you can do at home. And I, I know from my classes in early childhood education, we were taught it's never too early for a child to begin to read. And uh, what are the kind of things that parents, even of toddlers, can be doing to build that foundation? Absolutely. So as a parent, you really do play a critical role in helping your child develop into becoming a good reader. Um, so many of you are probably already taking some of the most important first steps by exposing your child to books and by reading books with them. Um, consider keeping books within easy reach, such as like a basket on the floor, somewhere where they can, you know, have access to those books and they're able to explore them whenever they're interested. Um, if you don't already do so, um, you might want to consider just making a quiet time with books part of your child's daily routines. For example, you could read a story together right before a nap time or bedtime or even after bath time. Um, if reading stories becomes a really consistent part of their daily routine, they'll most likely come to expect and enjoy and be calmed by this, you know, relaxing and very, you know, private time that you'll share with your child. Um, by continuing to give your child really positive experiences with books, you're instilling in them a genuine lifelong passion for reading and learning learning, which in my opinion is just simply a priceless gift. We know that kids learn to read like they learn to do so many other things by simply doing it. So if you show your 18-month-old a book and he or she shows no interest in that book, it's okay to put that book away and come back to it later. If your child writes his or her name and ends up with backwards letters, no problem. There's no pressure. There's no hassle to that. Just enjoy the journey and let your child kind of lead um, where he or she is ready to go. Talk to your child, expose them as much as you can to language, even when they're just a baby. Talk and sing to them about anything and everything. So even when they can't understand you just yet, keep talking to them. Reading is a language activity. And if you want to learn a language, you need to hear it. You need to speak it. You need to experience it. Studies have shown that exposing your child to a variety of words really helps in their development of literacy skills. So if reading becomes an important part of your family routine, then you truly are setting your child up for success. Thanks, Danielle. Michelle, as a reading specialist for a number of years, you've helped, gosh, I've seen it watch you help so many kids become just better readers themselves. What do you feel is the biggest stumbling block for most of them? Like, do you feel there's a common reason that is holding students back from becoming readers? So I feel as though our students face a variety of challenges on their path to becoming proficient readers. Some begin kindergarten with minimal readiness skills like letter identification or sound knowledge. So then the challenge is to teach those skills while continuing the instruction that is already part of that kindergarten curriculum. So some students need extra repetition to master skills. And this additional effort is not always pleasurable for students. I think it's human nature for all of us to avoid those things in life that are not easy. However, we know that students need this practice to solidify their learning. And so, again, as Dr. Murray said, before school begins, parents need to show that reading for a variety of purposes is that important life skill. 
Now, even the students in those later grades, is there other advice that you would add to parents who want their children to become better readers? Again, the answer here begins with reading aloud to your child. Many people think that once a child learns to read on their own, they no longer need to read aloud to them. So much of reading comprehension, um, once a child is able to decode the words, depends on background knowledge and vocabulary. And as a reader, they need to connect new information that they are reading to what they already know, and they need to understand the words that they read on a page. This is how we make sense of what we read. Take the word green, for example. If I only knew that green to mean a color, and I read the sentence, the golfer stepped up to the green, I would be confused as a reader. I would miss out on a point that the reader was trying to make because I did not have that background knowledge of golf when I only knew green as a color. Mm -hmm. So reading is a very complex process, and many things have to happen in our brains for a reader to make sense of what we read. So the more a child is exposed to text, to language, and to life, the more successful a reader will become. So we need to see that those, a child needs to see that those letters on a page, but then also know the sounds that those letters make and be able to blend those sounds together into word, read those words together in a sentence fluently, by the way, be able to understand what the words mean and the context that they are being used. So when they really say that reading is rocket scientists, researchers are not kidding. <laughs> Good way of putting it. Uh, Dr. Mary, everywhere we turn right now, we hear about the science of reading and these new reading wars in which folks are debating about what is the one best way to teach reading. Uh, what's your view on all of this? And should parents be concerned about it? Absolutely. So in education, like so many other things, the pendulum does tend to swing from one side to the next. Um, and the, the science of reading wars, per se, is certainly no exception. So for years, reading research was really based on what we thought happened in the brain. And a lot of that was based on hypothesis and observed behaviors, what we saw kids doing. And in the last 20 years, there have been so many advances in reading research. So we now have neurologists who are conducting fMRIs on young children's brains and they're able to actually see the, which parts of the brain are being fired when children are being exposed to text and, and learning how to read. So we've learned so much about what actually happens inside of the brain, something 20 plus years ago that we could not have done. And then based on that, research, we're now able to kind of figure out what does and does not work. So the science of reading is a term that really refers to the knowledge base that's generated through a scientific process. There have been a lot of seminal studies that are now guiding other studies that are happening in the research community. So what they're trying to do is actively validate what actually is the best way to teach reading that is based on actionable scientific research, not just hypothesis, not just what we observe kids doing. We know that the brain is hardwired to learn how to speak, but we also know that it is not hardwired to learn how to read. So reading really does need to be taught directly, explicitly, and systematically. One of our most important jobs as elementary teachers is to teach children to read. So the science of reading allows teachers to base reading instruction on what the research says. Every elementary classroom can provide scientific evidence of what works. And we do that through explicit instruction and phonological awareness. 
which is the ability to hear and recognize and play with the sounds in spoken language. Phonological awareness is really just a group of skills that includes a child's ability to identify words that rhyme or count the number of syllables in a name. Research has shown us that strong phonemic awareness is one of the stronger prediction predictors of later reading success. Um, there's a lot of websites that you could go on as a parent, uh, Reading Rockets being one of them, that will list a bunch of phonological awareness tasks that you can play with your child, such as um, sound games or first sound I spy games, where I say, you know, I'm looking around the room and I see something that starts with a B sound. What do you see in the room that starts with a B sound? Here at Pendelco, we are directly and explicitly teaching phonics, uh, which is the understanding that there is a predictable relationship between the sounds of spoken language and the letters and spellings that they that represent those sounds in the written language. Successful decoding occurs when the student is able to use his or her knowledge of those letter-sound relationships to accurately read the word. So we focus on building and understanding of morphology which is an understanding of what words and word parts mean. We use interactive read-alouds to read um, stories with um, different themes and cultures and you know different messages that really allow us to build our students' ability to build onto what they already know in their background knowledge and also build an understanding of text structure and the meaning of text. A lot there for people that digest, no wonder there is a debate going on on the science of reading in these new reading wars. Thanks for that summary, Danielle. Michelle, let me back to you. For students who can read and can comprehend, but just don't like to read, what do you recommend to a parent who has that kind of child? So I would recommend the podcasts or audiobooks, but also keep trying with books. So sometimes it's just a matter of finding that hook that genre or that writing style that a child connects with. So maybe it's a graphic novel or historical fiction. So we need to stop reading books that we think we're supposed to read. Um, let your child know it's okay to stop a book if they don't enjoy it, but mm -hmm. also encourage them to make a reading time that's part of their daily schedule and choose books that you can talk to them about. So find an interest, whether it's sports, animals, travel, something they want to learn about or work towards doing. We can visit the aquarium after we read about marine life. Just like anything else, the more we practice, the more we get it, the better we get at something. I need to do a better job at that. I'm one of these guys, if I start a novel, I, I have to finish it, or I feel like I, I I committed some kind of venial sin or something like that. I just, I just have to force my way through it. So I like your recommendation to say, if you're not enjoying it, put it down find another one and actually teach that skill to our kids at early ages. Michelle, what advice would you give to the parent who worries that maybe their child might have a learning disability, such as dyslexia, that could be causing their student to struggle? What should that parent do? So through research, we know that dyslexia is genetic, which means that it's not uncommon for a child who is struggling to learn how to read and write to also have a parent who experienced the same when they were in school. In fact, that's one of the things I often hear from parents as I meet with them during parent conferences. Maybe it's a, well, you know, I worked with a reading specialist when I was in school, or I needed extra help in learning how to read. And so the good news is that here in Pendelco, we do have an incredible wealth of resource, resources and knowledge to help these students. We know that if students with dyslexia are given proper instruction, especially in those very early grades, it's more likely that they will have fewer difficulties later in life. 
So providing students with that explicit systematic instruction that Dr. Murray was talking about is essential for these students. And then when we think about those students who, you know, do not experience those difficulties, that same sort of explicit systematic instruction is beneficial to even those students. So for instance, um, the program that we have foundations for teaching that phonics knowledge in our kindergarten through third grade classrooms is how we explicitly teach those skills. So we often think of English as being a language that's really hard to figure out because it doesn't seem to follow the rules, which, you know, would make it more difficult for students with learning difficulties. However, we learn that there really are more rules to our language than what we may have thought previously. And, you know, so many times I've heard teachers come up to me and say, well, I didn't know that before. You know, I'm learning something new here, too. So it's that explicit instruction of these rules that help our students with these learning difficulties to internalize these patterns that we see in our language. And in addition to that instruction, we have those robust screening processes to identify the students who need the additional support, as well as ways to monitor their progress to make sure that the instruction classroom teachers are providing and interventions that classroom teachers or interventionists or reading specialists are providing for students that what they're doing is making a difference for our learners. One of the things that I'm noticing is that uh, because of the uh, utility and the ubiquity of the phones being in everyone's hands, that there tends to be less spoken language, spoken words in children's environments as our attention is drawn to screens. And I'm wondering if you could speak to like that relationship between oral language and literacy, Michelle, that might be there, that, that possibly could be a tool that can help parents. So oral language includes a variety of skills, such as receptive, what we take in, and expressive, what we put out, uh, vocabulary. So receptive and expressive language, listening comprehension, syntax. So oral language itself is not going to be a strong predictor of later reading success. However, more complex oral language skills are dependent on vocabulary. So for instance, a child with strong grammatical knowledge but limited vocabulary would have a hard time understanding a text or writing a meaningful narrative. So vocabulary provides the foundation for that grammatical knowledge, definitional vocabulary, and listening comprehension. So we do know that shared reading between parent and child provides those positive outcomes for the children's early learning or language skills. And I would ask, you know, uh, both of you, but particularly Danielle, what supports uh, are in place to help parents? Because that, that's the one thing I always want parents to understand is just trust us. Don't be overburdened. Relax. We're here to partner with you. Uh, don't get emotional and upset and concerned. We're here to help your kid. And we have supports in place. What are some of those supports, Danielle? Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. Um, as a district, we have really spent a considerable amount of time um, reading the research behind what effective literacy practice are and what do they mean. Um, we have done a, a lot of legwork in researching the best practices and programs to deliver to our students to help them learn how to read. So all of our elementary teachers have been trained in structured literacy. Um, they have evidence-based practice materials. 
to provide instruction for our students. And our data indicates that, you know, when a child is at risk for reading success, that, you know, the teacher knows what he or she should have to do first. So the teacher will intervene at the classroom level for our students and provide them with the supports and structures that they need if at any point in time we see a gap in their instruction. If we then see that the data supports that a child needs um, additional support above and beyond what the classroom teacher is providing, each one of our buildings has a reading specialist and an interventionist that will then work with children in small groups, targeting whatever the data is showing as their lowest deficit. They'll work on such things as phonemic awareness or alphabet knowledge, phonics, and spelling to really try to close the gap and help that child be able to read successfully at grade level. In terms of just trying to foster that love of reading, um, each one of our teachers teaches from sets of what we call interactive read-alouds, and they have topics such as family and friendship and nursery rhymes and perseverance, making friendships, uh, achieving a dream, um, hope and resilience. Um, we have students that read in literature circles where they choose a book um, and read it with their peers, and then they have the opportunity to then discuss that. We have teachers who are creating project-based learning experiences for their students around a text, and they're learning about the real world through the use of literature. Our fifth grade students per, uh, participate each year in Reading Olympics, um, which is a countywide competition where they read a list of 45 books and they participate in a countywide competition that features questions about the books that they've read. Um, it's definitely an amazing um, evening to see. Um, you know, it's this sports arena all around reading, um, which definitely brings excitement um, and fosters that love of reading. Um, all of our students also participate in a program called Reading Counts, where where they track their reading of text and they're really celebrated for the accomplishments um, that they reach each time they hit a milestone of the amount of books that they read, the amount of words that they read. And each school at the end of the year um, throws these large reading celebrations to acknowledge each student's reading achievement. So as a district, as a staff, we continue to look for ways to make reading fun, to make reading interesting for all of our students, because we really do want them to continue to see reading as kind of that gateway to be able to be successful in the world and really be able to access all the knowledge that's out there and available for them. So if we're going to wrap it up by giving both of you a chance to share one piece of advice that you would give to parents to help their child become good readers, what would it be? And we'll start with you, Michelle, because I also want to wrap it up so you can get back to your students, Michelle. There we go. One piece of advice that you would give to parents to help their child become good readers. So I would say never hesitate to reach out to your child's teacher or to the reading specialist for ideas about books or things that you can do to help your child strengthen their skills. Together, we really can work together or to help your child succeed. Danielle? And I'm going to go again with my theme throughout the entire podcast, and that really is to read aloud to your child. Make it fun. Make it an adventure. Um, develop that sense of curiosity. You know, use the resources that are available at Delaware County Library Systems. Um, each year during the summer, they pick a theme. Um, I believe last year it was the underwater theme. And each time you visited one of their libraries, um, you had an opportunity to do a craft and, and get a badge. Um, make them adventures for your child. Let's read about marine biology, and then we'll go visit the aquarium. Um, we want to build a fort out back. Let's read about, you know, um, how to build things 
things and then go out and recreate that, you know, developing that that strong sense of curiosity along with a strong vocabulary and really strong background knowledge will assure that your child is truly set up for success. And since this is the Pendelco podcast, I have to finish by asking each of you, what makes you Pendelco proud? Danielle, tell us what makes you Pendelco proud. Absolutely. Uh, This is my home. Uh, This is where I work. This is where I live. And I am truly so proud to work with um, this amazing group of teachers that I get to be a part of. I'm impressed with what they do each and every day. Every one of the teachers that I supervise go above and beyond for their students. Um, and it shows. It shows every day as I walk through their classrooms, as I you know, walk down the hallways and see their interactions with our students. And I'm truly proud to just work among some of the best teachers in the county. Michelle, Pendelco proud. So I am Pendelco proud of the resiliency that I see with the students that I work with this year. Um, even when things are difficult for them, their efforts and willingness to work and strengthen their skills make me proud every single day that we are working together. Well, thank you for that. And I am uh, proud to have both of you on our staff. Every time I speak with you guys about curriculum, about reading, I'm a little smarter because of it. And I I think we shared some great information here to help parents. And I think the the key piece is uh, don't get trapped into thinking that this is something so difficult that parents can't help and recognize also that we they have a partner in this work and we want to partner with them. I appreciate you certainly um, reminding them of that and uh, supporting them as they can. So it's been a wonderful year in the world of reading. It's going to continue to be a wonderful year next year when we start our school year up back in September. But I appreciate both of you taking the time at the end of this school year to share a little more information about how parents can help their children become better readers. Have a great day. Thank Thank you. you.